This is going to be a long episode. I think we should put this out just as the longest episode ever. And, and we'll call it a celebration of everyone being back in America, the best country. Okay? Let's just make this one really long. From Vatican City, this is Sylvia Poggioli. Yeah. Do you know her? We're never going to have a guest. Let's face it, guys. we got fucking seven more episodes. All right. Should I put you guys on mute while you're working so I can like try to get my thoughts together? Because it's hard for me to do it while I'm listening to you. Yeah, that's a great idea, John. It's a great time to start getting your thoughts together because you've only had a week to do it, and we're recording in 30 seconds. Dude, okay, I'm telling ready? you, I do it Trump style, Are we baby. speeding? Yeah, I'm rolling. Let's go. Okay, ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Let's bring it on home, baby. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to... John? Sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> what, do you have some, what were you going to say? I had the sniffles, believe it or not. I know. I was about to say, you sound like Trump right now. Casey Jones, you better watch that speed. Here we go. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets. It's September 28th. This is the 10th of 17 episodes in our limited podcast series. I am David Reese, and I am joined by my childhood friend, John Kimball. Hi, John. How are you? I am great, David. It is good to have you back in country. I'm back from Europe, and Starley's back from Europe. God's in his heaven and all's right with the world, and it's time to analyze Monday night's presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. John, what are your impressions of this momentous night in American political history? It was awesome. I think it lived up to the billing. That's it. We'll see you next week on Election Profit Makers. It'll be the 11th of 17 episodes in our limited podcast series. I'm David Reese, and I've been joined by my childhood friend, John Kimball. Goodbye, John. No. What did you think of the debate? I thought it was really good. I thought that Hillary performed well, and I thought Trump did not. I think he really hurt himself in this debate. It was a great debate, I'd like to point out, that was watched <laughs> by- I know why you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't even want to explain yet why you're doing that. Okay, sorry. Keep, keep doing it because it's making me so happy. Okay. Well, you know, the debate was watched by <laughs> 84 million people. And it broke the record, the previous record held in 1980, which had been 80.6 million. And that so, makes me sad because why, John? Because you believed that it would not break the record. And I believed that as well. I bought four shares in no, that the first presidential debate would not be the most watched debate in TV history. I assumed that Nielsen would not be able to capture all the newfangled ways in which millennials and young people consume uh, breaking news and presidential debates, and I lost on those four shares, so I was out $1.96. Sorry, buddy. And you want to know what's interesting, John? And that just came to me. This is a very cruel irony. I myself did not watch the debate. I contributed to my own demise, financially speaking, but I had an excuse. I was in a European country. It was The debate started at 3 in the morning local time, and I was uh -huh. staying in a hotel that had very spotty Wi-Fi. So even if I had wanted to stay up all night and watch the debate, I wouldn't have been able to. But have you watched the debate now? So I watched the debate a couple hours ago. We're recording this on Wednesday. I wasn't able to watch the debate yesterday because it was Tuesday. I was a travel day and they didn't have Wi-Fi. It's Air France. I thought Air France would have wireless internet. Starley's shaking her head. Seasoned world traveler Starley Kind shaking her head. No Wi-Fi on Air France. I was like, I'm going to have eight. I'm going to have seven hours and 40 minute flight. I can watch the debate 
six times. I'll cons uh, you know I'll get to know this debate so well the ins and outs, the nooks and crannies, every little every little uh, moment that transpired in this highly erotically charged encounter between Donald Trump <laughs> and Hillary Clinton. And uh, it turns out I wasn't able to watch it. And then when I returned to my apartment, I remembered that we had not yet set up internet in my new apartment. So I've truly been internetless for many, many uh, weeks now, more or less. So I just watched the debate this afternoon, John. And guess where I watched it? I watched it at Aaron's apartment. Cool. I brought Aaron some sardines from Portugal and we made sardine sandwiches and we started watching the debate. And then I started to run out of time. And also, I'm going to tell you, just between you and me, I got a little bored. So we fa I, I said to Aaron, what do I need to see? What should I, what part of the debate do I really need to watch? And Aaron was like, just watch the end. So I watched the end. So you thought it was boring. That's interesting because I've only watched it once. And I, of course, when I watched it, I was watching it with Twitter and all that. So it, perhaps it wasn't as exciting as I, I thought it was. Well, here's my question to you. Did you watch it live? Yes. Okay, here's the thing. If I had been watching it live, it would have been the most exciting thing ever, and I would have been on the edge of my seat because the whole time I would have been just praying, Hillary, do not fall over, do not fall over, do not collapse, do not collapse. And also at the same time thinking, Donald Trump, do something crazy, please do something crazy, please do something crazy. So I had enough sense going into watching it that nothing truly catastrophic happened on either side. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it didn't have this like high-tension type of charged atmosphere that I'm sure it did for many people who were watching it live. And I will say this also, John, I thought Trump did better than I had been led to believe by the few moments of online commentary I had seen. So explain to me now why you think Trump didn't do well. I mean, he did. He never does great in debates, but... It, Wait, say that again and do it the right... Please say those okay. words correctly. He, he, never, he, he never does great in debates. I, it's, I can't do it with the plural. But it, it particularly in, in this debate, it sh <laughs> in it, particularly in this debate, he it, it, his awfulness shone through because it was one on one with Clinton, and because they had the split screen that they kept the whole time, he he just visually did not perform well. He looked he didn't really. Perform, are you saying he he didn't perform well facially? Yes. Did his face underperform? It did. Was his face underprepared? I want to ask you about that. I mean, did you did you feel that he was underprepared when you were watching it? I'm going to confess something to you right now, John. I'm convinced Donald Trump is going to win the election, okay? I'm so tired of hearing you talk about tightening. I'm, I, I, I saw that 538 had him. He has like a 48% chance of winning the election. 538. 538 went from 48 is now back to 58. 538 is all over the place. If you don't like 538, wait, wait five minutes. Oh, shots fired. No, take that out. Damn. Please take that out. No, we're keeping no, we're keeping that in. No. 538, your days are numbered. We're coming for you. Nate Silver, you better pack your bags, son. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is John Kimball. Okay? You have exactly 538 seconds to hit the road. <laughs> but now say it the right way. 538. Okay, let me explain what's going on. We had a very rude and inconsiderate comment on iTunes. And of course, we love it when our listeners leave positive comments on iTunes, but we had one hater show up to bring down our buzz with a three-star review, specifically criticizing the way my childhood friend, John Kimball, a friend through thick and thin, one of the most intriguing and intelligent people I've ever met, this person had the gall to criticize how John Kimball pronounces the word debate. He didn't like how John was hitting that T at the end of the word, okay? <laughs> John, John hits those tees like he's at a golf course. John's like Arnold Palmer, rest in peace, hitting those tees, okay? Debate. 
And that's the way John has always talked. John is from North Carolina. And that's how we say the word debate down in North Carolina. Isn't that right, John? Yes, that is how we say debate. (laughs) Exactly. Let's get back to the matter at hand, which is I'm convinced that Trump is going to win. And so I thought because he did not, you know, make a total fool of himself at the debate that I feel like you you count it as a victory, right? Okay, so, so here's the thing, David. Trump didn't need to just survive. He needed to win. And, and he didn't. He lost. And he, and he lost convincingly. That was what people who watched it thought. That's what the pundits said. And now the polling is starting to come in. And it is very clear. Oh. All the polling says Are you serious? that he lost. PPP came out that night and showed that Clinton had won by 11 points. CNN had her up by 25 points. Since then, YouGov has come out, had her winning by 27 Morning Consult came out today, had okay, her winning but John, by 23. John, I hate to rain on your data parade, but it doesn't matter. The election is not about the next. We don't choose the next president based on who won the first presidential debate. Those polls don't matter. Like even a Trump supporter could admit like, yeah, I guess Clinton won that debate. It doesn't matter. The, the polling that matters is the, is the polling about who are you going to vote for to be president. Right. Well, we have had some polls come out since then as well. Morning Consult came out this morning and showed Clinton up. Three points, and that is a three points, and that's post, and that's post debate, a debate that she was supposed to have won, and she's still only up three points. That's why Trump is going to win. Yeah, but she was down. She was down one point before the debate, so that's a four point swing in a few days. What happened while I was in Portugal with these, all these polls? Was Trump winning for like the for like a week and a half? What happened? He was ne- he was never he was never winning David. I think on for a couple hours one morning 5:38 which gets way more attention than it deserves. <laughs> and, and, and 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 they would probably they might admit lo- that I as love well. It. I lo- oh my god. I love it. Just No, I love 5:38 and I no, love Nate Silver. No, you don't. You obviously hate them. Say what you really think, John. 538 is a bunch of know-nothing mouth breathers. They spend all day picking their noses, eating boogers. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) No, no. And then then Nate Silver goes on Twitter, well, I'm very sorry. Just because my data shows that your candidate is losing, don't get mad at me. Who are you, Nate Silver? Listen, Nate has had a rough year, okay? I I mean... (laughs) He whiffed. He whiffed in the primaries. He ignored a lot of the polling out there, and he has admitted that, and people still keep beating him over the head. And I've forgiven him for that. But I think he's got a little PTSD, and now he's he's scared to get in there and say that Clinton is favored. So He's hedging his bets. Yeah, I think there's some of that, but but his his model actually is is showing that as well. It's just it's just really sensitive compared to all the other models. Okay. And and you, hey, look, in the end, maybe maybe he'll be right. Okay, but bottom bottom line, when it comes to the debate, should we still give weight to Nate and five thirty eight for being so great? We don't need to rely on Nate and five thirty eight when it comes to the debate. Because you're not going to see 538 move in terms of the debate because they don't have polling numbers being plugged in right away. We will start to see 538 move in the next few days. Where we did see movement immediately was on predict it. 
I mean, predict it, Trump started dropping right away. Hillary started surging right away. So the, the traders were using their visual analysis watching this, and this was before any polling came out. The traders knew that Trump was losing. Okay, two questions. First of all, did you invent the phrase visual analysis as a highfalutin way of saying looking at something? Because that was incredible. Yeah, I think I did. Sorry. I like that. Okay. And number two, do you think Trump will get any better in the upcoming debates? Or is he going to lose all three and, con- and, c- and continue to not help himself? So that's the question. Is My first thought was, oh, he is going to completely overcorrect. He's so mad that he got humiliated that when he has this second debate, he is going to go out there and just rip into her and kill himself. But now I'm thinking maybe he actually will try to prepare. Maybe they will force him to prepare. But that's what I want to ask you. This is a question I want to ask you about preparation. Okay, let's say he didn't prepare. Why didn't he prepare? That's my question. You mean for the first one? For anything. He, he never really prepares. I mean, right. m- maybe he does in business, but p- politically, he's, he's, he's not ever learned. He's, he's never learned anything. Well, I can explain that. I think, I think there are a couple useful ways to make sense of Trump's behavior, and, and, they, and they work well as analy- for analyzing past behavior as well as predicting future behavior, and also for just giving a sense of him as a person. And these are hardly original insights. But I think when you think about Trump, you shouldn't think about Stalin or Hitler. You should just think about an 11-year-old boy. He has the taste of an 11-year-old boy. He has a zero-sum view of the world of an 11-year-old boy. And I should remember because I was once 11. He has the views of women and minorities that I'm sure plenty of 11-year-old boys have, and he has the lack of focus and sustained attention that characterizes many 11-year-old boys, okay? And if you know about the Tony Schwartz, the guy who ghostwrote The Art of the Deal, he said one of the defining things mm-hmm. about Donald Trump is he cannot maintain focus on anything. He has, you know, no attention span, which is also indicative of many children. So I think when you when you think about how he's going to handle the next debate, you should just ask yourself, what would an 11 year old boy do? Okay, so that's a good point. I really I really think that, you know, my hero, Josh Marshall, shout out to the king, TPM for life, you know, ninth golden age, going as strong as ever. TalkingPointsMemo.com. I'm old school TPM back from when his when the photo of him was him resting his chin in his hand, looking at his computer screen. Uh, and now, you know, he's gone through. So now there for a while there, he just looked like a <laughs> scariest street thug of all time. Looked like a mugshot. Remember all those other TPMs that came out? TPMMuckraker.com <laughs> and TPMCafe.com. Do those still remember exist? When, remember when TPM was doing little video like... He was doing like yeah. little video dispatches. They were like video podcasts. <laughs> and then they released a blooper reel. And the blooper reel was... <laughs> the blooper reel was so incredible. It was like this. Here was the, the blo- First of all, the blooper reel was like 11 minutes long. It was... <laughs> so- <laughs> it was like Josh Mar. It was just Josh Marshall looking at a camera. This is when his, this is when the TPM empire was truly getting going. All right. Yep. They had had it maybe at that point. I can't remember. I have to go look in my weblog from when I, you know, cataloged all the golden ages. But this is probably circa fourth or fifth golden age. This is during probably the Obama McCain election, and he was building his empire. Mm-hmm. And then he was doing his little video dispatches, and then they did a blooper reel. 
like they were a real TV show. And the blooper reel was like, Josh Marshall staring at camera. Well, today, John McCline, uh, I mean, John McCain, was doing... <laughs> <laughs> or be like, well, today, uh, Representative Smith of the 4th Congressional... Oh, sorry, I mean the 5th Congressional District. <laughs> it was like 12 minutes of that. Ah, uh, Josh Marshall, King of the Kings. You know, he has this, uh, what do you call it, a mnemonic or a heuristic for understanding Trump's behavior is Trump's razor, which obviously is a play on Occam's razor, which is for any... Uh, for any uh, decision that Trump makes that defies logic, just ask yourself, what is the stupidest possible explanation? And that's usually true. And that that obviously is a model for analyzing Trump's behavior. But mine is more based on not his intelligence, per se, it's just his overall sensibility. I actually think that my, and I hate to I hate to go against JMM, Joshua M Michael Marshall. But I will say that I think my analysis of Trump is a more robust analysis. Okay. So all you talking points memo haters come at me because I know more about talking points memo than you people will ever know. So don't think I don't respect the king of the game, Josh Marshall, but I'm just saying, if you want to talk about Trump's razor, you should also just talk about Trump as an 11 year old boy. Did I answer your question, John? Yeah, that does answer my question. So that, I mean, and that answers questions going forward. It, it, it tells you that Trump does not have the ability to prepare, so he won't prepare for the second debate. Is, I mean, is that what you're saying? I'm saying that I truly think, yeah, when it comes to preparing for a presidential debate and having all these statistics at hand and being able to speak in specific ways, answering questions, especially because the next debate, don't forget, is town hall style with actual undecided voters. Who the fuck those people are, I would love to know, but I guess we'll find out at the next debate. And they will have questions, and I don't think it'll be as easy for either candidate to bullshit their way out of an answer because that's because they're not just stonewalling some Lester Holt, who's a part of the media, which means that he has no sympathy among the viewing public. But, you know, it's going to be hard to stonewall some, you know, Iraq war vet who wants to know about funding of the Veterans Administration or some single mom who's wondering about child care options in the workplace. So, John, Trump lost the debate, according to you. My verdict is still out. How did we do on the debate? Did we win or lose the first presidential debate? We lost. Um, you made recommendations to me last week because I, I was not willing to commit to any particular bets. So you just went ahead and, and made some recommendations to me. Do, do you not remember what they were? No, I was in a weird, I was in a weird headspace. Okay. I was, um, uh, yeah. I had, so, I had lost I had lost money in the uh, seafood market, and I was still reeling from that. And I was on vacation, and I was in a different time zone, and and I had gone to the beach to do some wave research. And it turns out the waves in Portugal are really strong, and uh, it kind of it felt like I got punched in the ears. So I don't remember much about last week. So what did I tell you to do, and how did how did those recommendations turn out? You told me to buy yes, that alt right would be mentioned at the debate. You told me to buy 10 shares at 12 cents. I'm sorry. You okay. told me to buy 100 shares of Basket of Deplorables. You told me to buy 200 shares of Yes for 29 cents. Wait, did you Berther. actually do everything I told you to do? No, I didn't. I thought it was bad advice. And it turns out well, it was. If I had done, if I had done what you told me to do, which you were just throwing stuff out there, I, I would have lost $100. I did oh, do. Oh, yeah. So, did you make any bets about the debate? Yes, I, I, I bet on whether he would say crooked Hillary. 
And I bet yes. And I lost on that. And how much did you lose? I lost $40. Okay. I I bet yes that he would say Crooked Hillary. I bought 50 shares and I lost $20. Why did we do that? We knew from the beginning when we moved that market that he was never going to say Crooked Hillary. This drama between us and Crooked Hillary and pumping and dumping and reverse pumping and dumping and, and, and people getting mad at us and people yelling at us and us yelling at people, I'm just glad it's in the past. I'm never investing in any other market that has to do with Crooked Hillary, okay? It's over. We lost money, okay? Everybody should be happy now. Moving on, I bet that Hillary would talk more than Trump because he talked so little in the Republican debates. He would sit there for the longest time and not say anything. Well, of yeah, course. John, there were 53 other people on stage. What I do know. you think was going to happen? I know. I'm stupid. But he, he did. He talked longer, but it wasn't by much. It was just a few minutes. So I, I lost $9 and something on that. Yeah, so I lost about 50 bucks. Okay. Did you make money on anything? I made money flipping no shares on will it be the most watched debate of all time. There was a lot of volatility in that market because it was really, really close for a while and people kept thinking that it was going to get revised. The Nielsen numbers kept getting revised and and they actually kept getting revised up. But for a while there, it was just bouncing between 80 and 95 on that last day, the day after the debate. So I just flipped shares back and forth on that and ended up making about, I don't know, $20. So... I lost money in the end. I lost about $30. Well, I lost less money than you because I made money. Really? I bought 50 shares in No, the Benghazi market. Did you not take my advice and buy No on Benghazi? Well, you you to- only told me to buy 10 shares. So had I done that, I would have only won $3.80. Well, I made 50. Holy shit. Did I? Wait, what? John, I can't tell how much money I made. I can't tell if I made $50 or $16 before. Oh, okay. I, Go I'm into sorry. your history. Okay. I, I, I'm i sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I made almost $50 and I felt like something amazing was happening in my life, but it's just me. I made six, but I did make $16. I want to talk about one thing that I noticed while I was watching the debate that my understanding is went kind of uh, under the radar for many people. There was a moment in the debate when Trump suggested that China invade North Korea. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. So I was watching the debate with our friend Aaron, who, as you know, is a China analyst by trade. And uh, he's the guy that we went to go visit China with back when we had our wonderful bonding experience uh, in China. And we're so I'm watching the debate with Aaron. Is this his second time watching it? It's my first time watching it. There was a moment in the debate when they were talking about nuclear proliferation. And um, Trump was talking about North Korea. And he said, China should go in there. <laughs> and... Uh, and I turned to Aaron uh, and said, Would, is that a good idea? And Aaron was basically like, no. <laughs> and I said, really? What, what's the worst that could happen? And then Aaron's head exploded and he started bleeding out of his eyes and crows flew out of his body. So my question is this. Is the fact that, I, I mean, I really can't understand what's happening with reality these days because it feels like that's kind of a crazy thing to say, right? Yeah. But obviously the assumption is that Trump well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, why keep saying the same old thing, which is that <laughs> a presidential candidate suggesting during a televised debate that China invade North Korea and that's going to make things easier? 
He just, he truly has no idea what he's talking about. And even me talking about how he has no idea what he's talking about is just admitting defeat. Yeah, he's just a drunk guy spouting off in the bar, except he's not. He's the presidential nominee of a major political party in the United States. No, he's an 11-year-old neo-Nazi who's drunk at a bar. That's that's who he is. Oh, and also he's like running a three-card money game uh, out of the back corner of the bar. Uh, okay, anyway, I just wanted to mention for the record that it did not go unnoticed by election profit makers that Donald Trump suggested that China invade North Korea as a solution to a security problem. <laughs> John? Yep. Hi, it's me, David. Hey, David. How are you? I've lo- I'm great. John? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was... Uh, okay, here we All go. All right, we got about a half... I got a half an hour. We got to hurry up. Okay. John, it's time for listener questions. All right. Thank you to all our listeners for sending questions over the past week. As always, you can send questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We really do read all of them. Okay. John, the first question is from Benedict. As a loyal supplicant of Kid Midas and a dedicated wave rider, I've been playing with the big boys and I've invested $50 in Predict It. While all of my gains are currently negative, I'm expecting major payouts. My question is, how will this affect my tax burden, and what kind of tax considerations do I need to make when investing and reaping my rewards? Thanks for the question. First of all, I'd consult a licensed tax professional if you have specific questions about your gains and losses. But here is what I can tell you. Predict it will issue a 1099 for winnings of $600 or more. Please note that that 5% withdrawal fee is deducted from your gains in the 1099. Now, if you make less than 600, you will not get a 1099 from Predict-It. However, the IRS still requires you to pay taxes on any income. So you are on the hook to take care of that on your own. Don't think, yeah, don't think you're getting secret money. There is no secret money. Yep. And I'm glad that you mentioned the 1099 because our uh, listener, Mark, had written in asking if they were going to issue a 1099. And the answer is yes, if it's more than $600. Yes, I have already gotten a notice from them that says I will be getting a 1099. Because why? Because you're a big dog. Yeah. Did you frame the 1099? No, I haven't gotten it yet. I think, it, I think, oh, okay. I think they go out in January. John, we have a question from Jim. Jim writes, what do you think the percentage chance is that Donald Trump wins this election? Some people would say there are two candidates, so he's got a 50% chance. <laughs> okay, Jim. Uh, Predicted.org seems to be saying he has a 37% chance. Personally, I've always thought he has a 0% chance, but I could understand up to 5%. Based on my feelings, I'm ready to go all in and bet two to $3,000 on Hillary. However, my wife thinks it's too risky if it's true that Trump has a 37% chance. If you guys agree with my 5% number, maybe she'll be convinced. Okay. John, let's get up in this marriage. What do you have to say to Jim and Jim's wife? Uh, Jim, I, I would say... Marriage invaders, election profit makers. What? Inserting ourselves into the marital relationship. Money, 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 passion kissing and dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta do that again. Okay. Marital invaders, election profit makers, inserting ourselves into the marriage <laughs> relationship. 
Sorry. Okay. John, election profit makers is hereby known as election marriage counselors. What do you suggest to Jim and his wife? First, I would say that I give Trump about a 20% chance of winning. It's really an issue of risk versus uncertainty. And because we have so much time remaining, there is still uncertainty. So if the election were held today, I would feel pretty good that Clinton would win. But it's it's not going to. How can you say how can you be so confident? I, I just I don't know. That's just how I feel. All right. Anyway, the point I'm going to say is I'm OK with him putting that money in. Whoa. All right. OK, really? Here's why. Go ahead. He's not placing a bet that he can't get out of because it's a prediction market. It still is a lot of money now that I think about it. But I mean, if you put the if you put the money in and things start to go if thing and okay. I understand on, what you're me, trying to say, John. I understand what you're trying to say. Go. Go, man. Jim and Jim's wife, even if Jim invests two to three thousand dollars like he wants to, there's always the po- it, it doesn't mean that it's that it's gone forever. If the market starts to tank, he can he can panic sell. And that means that his loss, you know, it might be significant but it's not like he's it's not like he has to lose all the money he's invested he can always bail out at some point that's part of what makes investing so fun right john right and maybe that will bring spice to your marriage it might (coughs) it it, (laughs) (coughs) i don't know what to say man I don't think it's a good idea now. Oh, wait a minute. Well, you just said it was a good idea. Now we're Jim and Jim's wife are going to just be totally befuddled. The point is things, I don't think something's going to happen, but things do happen. And it, and it could be very sudden. And if he is in Portugal and he doesn't have internet access oh, at that okay. moment, uh-huh. then okay. in my case, I'm fine with it because I am locked in. I've got my phone at all times. I am right on top of what's happening. If I start seeing moves happening, I'm going to get out. Not everyone follows their investments that closely. This is what I would say to Jim and Jim's wife. Jim's wife, this obviously means a lot to Jim, okay? Let him invest his two to $3,000 in Hillary becoming president. And because there is a limit in each market or each contract of $850, he will have to spread out his conviction in Hillary's presidency among multiple contracts, right, John? Yes, but it doesn't really spread out his risk. I mean, it's will the Democratic candidate become president or will Hillary will president become be president? Will it, it, right, exactly. It, yeah. So he'll if things go south, he's probably going to lose in all of them. But that's how he would be able to invest two to three thousand, assuming he can get into those markets because they have a five thousand trader limit. Yeah, those markets might be locked out. They very well may be. Uh, and to Jim's wife, I would say your husband, Jim, wants to be an election profit maker. And I think you should let him do that because election profit makers are guaranteed winners. They're strong alpha males. They're good providers. They're wonderful husbands and partners. And this is an opportunity for your husband, Jim, to assume that role in the home. And I think you should honor that. And I think you should also become an election profit maker. You should invest two to $3,000 in who you want to be president. That could be Hillary Clinton. That could be Donald Trump. And then you and Jim will have something to talk about at, uh, at dinner. How's that sound, John? That sounds great. 
John, we have a question from Trey. I'm a registered Mecklen County 12th Congressional District voter. I ordered my absentee. Wait, Mecklenburg. What? Did you say Mecklenburg? Mecklenburg. I thought you said Mecklen County. No, what? Mecklenburg. Just, okay, start over. John, we have a question from Trey. John, do you resent me for going to Portugal? What's going on here? No, I'm just trying to move it so I can pick up. Okay. John, we have a question from Trey. Go ahead, Trey. <laughs> I want to explain to our listeners what's going on. John has to pick up his daughter in 20 minutes, and he's getting really anxious. So because I'm a good friend, I'm drawing everything out and making a thousand mistakes per minute to make it to keep John on the line until the last possible second. It's called yeah, psychological you. wave riding. It's something I learned on the beaches of <laughs> Portugal. Okay, here we go. John, we have a question from Trey. Go ahead. David, answer this question. Dude, come on, let's go. John, we have a question from Trey. I'm a registered Mecklenburg County 12th Congressional District voter. I ordered my absentee ballot exactly five minutes after the presidential debate, and it got me thinking. Do you think the gubernatorial election in North Carolina is going to have an effect on Democratic turnout in the state? Polling shows that North Carolina is leaning a little more in favor of Trump than Clinton. However, with the deep and visceral hatred of Pat McCrory that exists within the population. Most people are expecting McCrory to lose the governorship this election. Do you think the polls are underestimating how many people are willing to come out to vote simply to get McCrory out of office and then vote for Clinton as a secondary afterthought? Do you think Clinton is going to be able to ride that anti-McCrory wave in North Carolina and make North Carolina blue again? John Kimball, what say you? Yes, I think Clinton is going to make North Carolina blue again. Right now, the real clear politics average has Trump up slightly, just 0.3%. Clinton is ahead 0.6% in the Huffington Post pollster average. Yes, the hatred of McCrory is real, and I don't think there's any question that he's, he's going to lose. But the polls, they've, they've really been all over the place recently. One thing I think the polling is not picking up on yet is the voter registration numbers, which have shown a real increase for Democrats. And I know I've talk about them every, it seems like every week now, but just this week in Orange County, I got these numbers, that the voter registration numbers in Orange County are up 35%. Really? Over 2012. Really? Yes. This is the second most liberal county in the state, home of the University of North Carolina. And from August 1st till now, the numbers are up 91% over 2012. How is that possible? There's just been a major, major registration drive More than, this year. I, I, that's amazing. Yes. The point is the numbers are real and it is happening. I don't think we have time for Satchel's rant, do we? We only have 15 yeah, minutes. Let's, okay. let's do it. John, uh, we got a very interesting listener question this week submitted via audio. Let's play a section from this comment by listener Satchel in Florida. Well, first of all, you pay 200 euros for a lobster, which is probably like $250 American dollars or whatever. And, and then you go and then you go through and you say, oh, yeah, this is how you should vote in the debate markets. Blah, 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 blah. 50 this, 100 of that. Negative no on this. Blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, you feel bad about yourself. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I should just. Whatever I say, I should do the opposite of whatever I say because I pay $200, 200 euros for a, for a lobster. Well, that's exactly what the guy was saying the week before, 
about you. He's like, whatever that guy says, do the opposite. And you went off and went crazy. And you were like, what are you talking about? I'm the smartest guy in the whole world and stuff. And then, and then you said the same thing the very next week. You're like, oh, whatever I say, maybe I should just do not, would not do what I say because I spent, I'm a dummy, you know, I'm a dumbass. Like maybe whatever I think I should do, I should do the opposite. That's exactly what that guy said. And you got all freaked out and you went crazy, blood coming out of whatever. That's one thing. Number two thing is, I don't know, you know, why people are supposed to just send you donations just like so that we can help you buy, you know, lobster in Portugal and stuff. And, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, like you guys get on the phone and you record yourself. Like what, what do you need money for? I don't even understand what, what that's about. And, 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 that, and you want 2000. Oh gosh, that car just pulled out right in front of me. Okay. I think that's enough of that. John, why do we accept donations to make money? I can't believe this dude is going off on my lobster. Just, uh, I would, whatever, whatever. Go ahead. I'm sorry. John, why do we take donations? To make money. We're election profit makers. We take listener donations and we appreciate our listener donations very much because we don't accept advertising, right? And we don't accept advertising for two reasons. Number one, we don't want anything to compromise or influence um, or affect the analysis that we provide on election profit makers. And number two is... None of these assholes will advertise with us. Casper mattresses, haven't heard anything. Harry's razor blades, haven't heard anything. Bonobos, haven't heard anything. Blue Apron food in a box, haven't heard anything. Stamps.com, haven't heard anything. And I'm at the point now where even if someone, one of these brands came to me begging on their knees to advertise on my podcast, I would say no. Because where were you at episode one? Where were you when we sent out a real press release that I had written hyping this podcast and saying how good it was going to be? And then, then everyone's sitting around biding their time trying to figure out if we're going to be a good podcast. Or maybe they say, oh, there's only 17 episodes. It's, it has a, a sell-by date. It's going to end the day after the election. That's right. That's what makes this podcast so alive and so exciting and so vital and so interesting. It's like an electric wire shooting through iTunes. <laughs> and now all these people decided, no, I, you know, I don't want to advertise on that. So fine, you can't. I'm putting a ban on all advertising on election profit makers. <laughs> all advertisers are banned for the entire life of this podcast. All donors are welcome with open arms. If, if you'd like to donate to election profit makers, PayPal money to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We, we celebrate your generosity. We invest your generosity. We use your money to invest in the markets, to buy bird pellets for disco. John's, John's parakeet who needs a lot of food to eat. Okay. And then we spend it on coffee and we spend it on other things that help us do a great job. Sounds like drugs. <laughs> we spend it on other things that help us do a great job on the podcast. We're not spending your money on drugs and we're not spending your money on anything illegal. Okay. That's our, that's the election profit makers pledge. We're doing a good job. and We're having a great time. Okay. Now, so that's Satchel doing his rant. Okay, fine. Good for him. Then he sends this email with the rant. John, listen to this. All right. He said, I've not been to your website before, but I went today looking for a contact email, and now I feel bad for my rant because I thought you guys were both just a couple of chumps who didn't really know what was going on in the world, but I see you're both quite accomplished in your own way, and so I feel kind of bad for railing so hard. Oh, but I will note that Satchel, this isn't two separate things. Satchel sent us the rant and this email apologizing for sending us the rant because we're both accomplished quote in our own way and then he says that uh, get your war on comic was like one of my favorite things and i never knew who drew it so now i'm really impressed and a little embarrassed that i went off so hard on you guys he's talking about a uh, web cartoon that i used to make during the bush administration 
Then he signs it from a country boy in Florida. Satchel, I don't care what state you're from or whether you're a, sun, a city mouse or a country mouse. Don't write us again. You're banned from sending us any more rants. Withdraw your rant officially. You need, this is what you need to do, Satchel. Number one, you need to send us a donation. You don't understand why we take donations? Send us a donation. See how good it makes you feel. Then you'll understand. That's the first thing you have to do. Second thing you have to do is send us an email apologizing for the rant and, and this weird passive-aggressive commentary on the rant that you sent along. I expect both those things next week, Satchel. John, do you have anything to add? Nope. John, we have 12 minutes left before you need to leave to go pick up a family member. Let's talk about the vice presidential debate, which is scheduled for next week. What markets do you like for that debate? Well, these are word markets again, and because... These word, these word markets are some of the most preposterous word markets I've ever seen. Yeah, none of these are going to happen. I feel the... the EpiPen? Someone's going to say EpiPen? No. No one's going to say EpiPen. No one's going to say national debt. No one's going to say campaign finance reform. And by no one, I mean the moderator. Right. These all have to do with the moderator. The moderator's not going to say sanctuary cities. When I'm looking at it, I only see one word market where the yes is trading higher than the no, and that's the Obamacare market, which is trading yes at 60 and no at 40. Would you get in that market? Yes. That's the only one I would get in. Now, John, I need you to remember one thing about these markets. This is not a traditional debate. This is a town hall debate. And so the rules for these markets are not just that the moderator has to say the phrase, but that a sanctioned questioner or a candidate can say the phrase. Oh, wait a minute. Are you serious? Yeah, look at the Obamacare one, dude. Look at the rules for the Obamacare. Always read the rules on your predicted contracts, guys, especially in the word markets. Crazy things can happen with these word markets. Wait a minute. Did you just look at tax returns? Look at tax returns. Okay, but wait a minute. You you said a, a a candidate. Dude, these rules are these rules are inconsistent. Yeah. Because under uh oh, under tax return, the rule is well during the vice presidential debate, a moderator or sanctioned questioner shall utter the phrase tax return or but, tax returns. That means one of the town hall people. Yeah, that's what I thought. Returns. But then look but then but then look at Obamacare. Look at the Obamacare rules. I cannot believe the Obamacare rules, it says a moderator, sanctioned questioner, or candidate can say Obamacare. Unbelievable. Oh my God. This is a bombshell. Inconsistency in the word markets on predict it. Unbelievable. This is breaking news. Must credit election profit makers. Josh Marshall, we're eating your lunch. We're, we're breaking news here. That changes everything. Look at it that. It changes everything. That's why, well, you know what? No, but that's why, that's why Obamacare is trading the yes is trading higher than I'm buying. I'm I'm buying yes in Obamacare right uh, now. Yes is at sixty, because dude, dude, it's it's moderator, questioner or candidate shall utter the phrase Obamacare Affordable Care Act or ACA. Someone's um hold on. I don't even have time to talk to you right now, John. I'm buying so many yes shares. I'm buying two hundred yes Ooh, shares really? at sixty cents a share. Yeah, that's happening. Whoa, that's so much money. Hold on. Starly, look. Whoa. Yeah. So that's interesting. The vice presidential word markets, read the rules, guys. I think we all just learned a valuable lesson in real time on this podcast. Why did they do that, John? Why did why did Predict It do that? Predict It likes to switch it up every once in a while. They like to keep us on our toes. Yeah. I kind of like it. You do? I like Predict It. I like the people that Predict It. Oh, my God. <laughs> we round nosing them so what? hard. Okay, nothing. Okay, John, so what are you going to invest in the vice presidential market? We have six minutes until you need to go pick up your family member. 
I am I'm going to buy a hundred shares of Obamacare. I put in a uh, an offer at fifty eight. Oh, you smart son of a gun! Because I just went out and just bought it sixty. All right, so that's our that's our big bet, the Obamacare. Yep. Okay. One other thing, I'll mention the the electoral college market. It, it's still the three forty to three fifty nine is still leading everyone. It's it's trading at twenty five cents right now, but I'm starting to get the feeling that Hillary is definitely not going to win Iowa. So I, I'm I'm starting okay. to think the bracket below that one, the three twenty to three thirty nine bracket, of which I am currently no on. I am starting to think I might hedge and go yes in that bracket as well. And which bracket is that? That is bracket one, two, three, four, five, bracket five. So B5, you heard it here first. It's time to buy yes in B5 for the electoral college votes. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it, I, I, I am doing that. Yes. John, it's time to thank our donors. As always, we really appreciate everyone who PayPal's money to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We have quite a few donors to thank this week, so let's get right to it. What do you need money for? I don't even understand. First of all, a special thank you to Mark, Spencer, Jesse, Emily, and Grant, who all mentioned the lobster fiasco in their donations. I appreciate that. Obviously, I cannot in good conscience use your donations to help pay for the lobster, as that was not official election profit makers business, but I do appreciate the sentiment very much. John F. donates and writes saying, keep on riding waves. Thank you, John. I hope you're well. Scott donates from Melbourne, Australia. As always, we love our international donors. Thank you, Scott. Christopher K. with a generous donation. Thank you, Christopher. If this is the Christopher I think it is, I would also like to thank you for designing my wonderful book, How to Sharpen Pencils, available at independent bookstores everywhere. Christopher S., a different Christopher, writes, This is the exact amount of money I made riding the Ted Cruz endorsement wave. Thank you for your excellent podcast and for refusing to discuss Rudy Giuliani. Christopher S., refusing to discuss Rudy Giuliani is my pleasure. Thank you, James. Thank you, Emily, for your generous donation. Thank you, Robert, who writes, we need an election profit makers meetup. Uh, Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. That's exciting. Thank you to David H., who donates in loving memory of Matt Vic Whitson. Thank you to Jason, David, Rebecca, and Michael for their donations. Thank you to Matt K., who says, I got my first taste of the rush that is the election profit makers lifestyle with some debate-related contracts. I'm coming for you, Kid Midas. Matt K., keep dreaming, son, but thank you for your donation. People are supposed to just send you donations? Thank you to Zach, Becca, and their cat Lolly for a donation. It included this message. Good luck in this trying time. Don't forget to keep riding waves and feeding Disco his biscuits. We... (laughs) I love how that parakeet is more popular than I am. Thank you to Ben, Julia, Vaughn, and Jared. Thank you to donor Robert R. And Robert, I will say the answer to your request is 26. Thank you, Adrian. Adrian. Oh, wait. No, I'm not thanking her. $1.25? Adrian, I just want to say I think all of your donation didn't come through. So you might want to contact PayPal because <laughs> I'm seeing a donation of $1.25. So I think something happened to your computer. Uh, so you should go, uh, make sure you have the rest of that donation. Come on, Adrian. I mean, we appreciate We're like a political campaign. We'll take any, we love our small, we love our small dollar funders. Average size of our donation is five to $6,000, but we do appreciate those smaller donors. Those people who chip in three to $400. Adrian, you're coming in at a buck 25. That's a little light this week. So we're going to need you to make that up in future episodes. Thank you for your donation, Adrian. And thank you to everyone who donates. Yes. Thank you so much. We really appreciate all of your money. 
and we only use it for good. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Election Profit Makers. We'll talk to you next week after the vice presidential debates. I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in support of uh, my journeys abroad. Um, Starley is back in America, and I'm back in America, and John is back in America, and we're just going to go really hard from now until the election, so we can't wait to share more of our bets and our wisdom and our insights with you. Uh, Nate Silver, you're dead to us. 538 is a pile of garbage. John Kimball said it here first. Must credit election profit makers. One other thing I want to say, we really, we're running out of time with this podcast and we need some media attention. We're sick of laboring in obscurity, okay? This isn't 1990s where being in an indie rock band that's not signed to a major label is cool. We want to be on the front page of the New York Times, Newsweek Magazine, you know, Business Insider, all of them. If you are in the media or you're listening to this podcast and you know somebody in the media, they need to write a high-profile, full article about election profit makers. That's required. So we want five media interview requests by next week's podcast. Contact at Election Profit Makers is how to get in touch with us. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. Uh, for Election Profit Makers, I'm David Reese. And I'm John Kimball. And we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, John. Bye, David. Bye, Starley. Guys, wake up, guys. Wake up. All right? Uh, my 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 donation quote unquote to you is this is this uh this little rant here this little rant and tirade about how you know what's up what's really going on out in the real world with with what you guys are talking about you know so you need to get it together i'm watching it. it's my first time watching it they're talking about nuclear proliferation they're talking about nuclear put that in the put that in the blooper no Damn it. No. Sorry. They're, t- they're talking about nuclear pollution. <laughs> now, see, now you got inside my head. Hold on. I'm so focused on saying nuclear correctly that I can't when nuclear I hit Nuclear proliferation. <laughs> yeah, that is hard to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Proliferation. So there was a moment So there was a moment in the debate when they were talking about nuclear proliferation. Dude, come and on. T- oh. That was it. What are you that talking was go- about? Oh, it didn't sound good to me. Why did you? S- there was a moment in the debate. John. Okay, go, 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 go. Josh Marshall, the gauntlet has been thrown. You're about to be out-bloopered by the election profit makers. <laughs> <laughs>